2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Did you make the fantasy football playoffs? Oh, what's that? It's not over yet? Oh, that's right. Three more games to go before some of you figure out if you're in or out of the fantasy football playoffs. But guess what, here on this Monday, December the 7th, we are back in his fantasy sports today. Craig Bish and Joe Pizzoppia for the next two hours, recapping everything that happened in week 13 of the NFL, and of course in fantasy football. So I guess the question is, Joe, as we embark on the fantasy football playoffs, <laughs> Any of your squads, any any squad you got heading toward Week fourteen in two thousand twenty? Yeah, a few of
3: them, yes, but not
0: the one that matters
3: the most, sadly, and that is that is depressing. I just don't think the all the tiebreakers are going to go my way. But we'll we'll see in a few days uh, whether or not that comes to fruition. But what a bizarre set of circumstances too for some of these games that went in complete opposite directions of things. Uh, what a way to have that playoff birth or falter decided in some of these crazy contests where baker mayfield is throwing the ball over the place again for two weeks in a row where you had some huge upsets here obviously the one in seattle comes to mind but a a bizarre fun entertaining i mean so entertaining that the jets nearly won a game but don't worry not everything is upside down the jets still lost so there's some things you can still count on in the nfl
0: Yep, and we'll get into the Jets here, of course. It's uh, one of the big stories of the day with them firing their defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, after the ending of the game yesterday. But look, let's focus on the positive here at the start. We'll start off with our headlines today here on the show. And yes, the Browns looked like a Super Bowl team. That is right. They looked like a Super (laughs) Bowl team yesterday. The problem was it was against the Tennessee defense. They may be at the bottom of the AFC for me, how bad that defense is. But... Give Baker Mayfield credit, had a monster first half, and basically, uh, even though they made some mistakes late, some penalties, some turnovers, they held on to win with 76 points scored in that game. Giants pull off the massive road upset in Seattle, one of the biggest upsets in the entire 2020 season. Maybe Jacksonville winning game one was a a bigger upset. Perhaps the Raiders beating the Chiefs, 14-point underdogs. That could have been one, but this is up there for sure. Top five, no doubt in the 2020 season as the Giants are in first place. We'll see if they remain there as Washington gets ready to play against Pittsburgh. In Philadelphia, finally, the quarterback change happened and Jalen Hurts did look at least a little bit better than Carson Mm -hmm. once. We'll see what that means moving forward. The head coach not saying specifically. Unfortunately, college basketball, a great game was scheduled for Saturday, got postponed Baylor Gonzaga because of COVID issues. So we're gonna have to wait to see the best team in the country play in a week from now. And uh, today was supposed to start the winter meetings. This time last year, I was in California doing shows here for uh, and with you and fantasy sports today. And uh, yeah, no, no winter meetings. But uh, Chris Young, the the GM of the Texas mm-hmm. Rangers, John Daniel, still going to be the president of baseball operations there. So baseball can wait, honestly, until tomorrow or unless something happens. Of course, I'll have that for you, no doubt. But, uh, Joe, I I think that for me, and look, the the Jets are going to make a lot of headlines today, and I understand the end of the game there, no doubt. But to me, wondering what the Browns are and and how much Mm -hmm. they can do, I I tend to think that teams that play good defense and can run late in the season have a chance to go far. Uh, I did not, I mean, I've seen Baker Mayfield play like the best quarterback in the NFL twice now this season. Yesterday was one of them. But I am still concerned with Cleveland if they go down in a game and have to come back. It seems like they're great playing with a lead. They always hang on and win. But uh, them coming back is an issue for me. But I want to start there because to me, that was the most impressive performance of the day. Yeah, and as we
3: welcome in our radio audience here to Sports Grid right here on Fantasy Sports Today, we are talking about those very Cleveland Browns who do look pretty good. And you make a great point, you know, teams that can run the football and play defense typically in December and January have a pretty good shot at making it to play in February. But I'll tell you what, it's been impressive. I think when Odell Beckham Jr. went down, a lot of people thought, okay, well that's the end of the passing attack. And, and it kind of was for a few weeks, but looking back on it, you could also make that argument that, when the passing game disappears, also those strange and bizarre weather circumstances that really, in a strange way, it's almost like the football gods kind of dropped something in their lap and said, Hey, here you go. Here's going to be some awful weather that's really going to lend to the two strengths of this football team, which is running the football and playing defense. And you're going to be able to do that and get a bunch of wins and then kind of build back up again. And Baker Mayfield's look really good. And that run game is so important. I mean, Chubb has been fantastic. On Sunday, we had a little debate who was going to have more rushing yards. It was going to be Chubb or Henry. And uh, I was on the Chubb side of that argument. Looks pretty good right now. But they need to have Chubb be that guy. And the reason is, you look at Baker Mayfield, three of the touchdowns he threw in that game, Craig, were off play action. Three of them. So the play action they've been able to run has really opened up things for Baker Mayfield. It's taken a lot of pressure on him. It's simplified the looks. He's not just sitting back in the pocket, trying to read the defenses and trying to find the open guy. He knows exactly where to go with the football because when you turn out of that play action, you know exactly where the target's supposed to be and either there he's not. And yesterday he was there. The targets were there a whole bunch. It was impressive performance from the Cleveland Browns. The first time they've gotten 10 uh, wins since I think it was uh, 2007 or something like that. Something crazy thing. I mean, it is crazy to think that here we are with the Cleveland Browns and we're talking about them being more of a, a potential upset to the Pittsburgh Steelers in that division than the Baltimore Ravens. So I don't know what's more 2020 than that, but it's been an impressive run for them. Miles Garrett has played great this year. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And look, uh, I know a lot of people are going to be talking about the Jets. We're going to talk about the Jets. But I feel like it's the Giants we should be talking about. If we're going to talk about a New York football team. What an effort by Joe Judge's squad. No quarterback. Colt McCoy has not won a game as a starter since 2014, Craig. And he goes out there in Seattle. Defense shows up. Leonard Williams have some great moments there on that defensive front. Next thing you know, a huge win for the Giants as they continue to look like the best team in the nfc east which isn't saying much
0: <laughs> no and we'll see tonight with uh, washington we'll see if if they can mm-hmm. keep pace and certainly it'll be an interesting game there by the way the last time the browns were nine and three was uh, 1994 bill belichick was the head coach of the cleveland browns how about that one okay we'll get to our fantasy standout coming up next we have no shortage of them that's coming up here on fantasy sports today so stay on the grid we'll be right back Well, week 13 provided some excellent fantasy points from a lot of players who we're going to discuss here. In all likelihood, if you had them in your starting lineup in a season-long league and you won, you're headed toward good things. And if you lost, what went wrong? Maybe you played against several of these guys. But as the regular season of fantasy football comes to a close, here are the fantasy standouts from week 13 in the NFL. There were more than this, but here's who we chose. Derek Carr. With that late touchdown pass, put him over the top against the New York Jets. 28-47, 381, three touchdowns, one interception, also rushed for a touchdown. Arguably his best game of the fantasy season. Baker Mayfield, all of his touchdowns thrown in the first half, closed out with 334 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. At running back, speaking of uh, late charge, Aaron Jones with a 70-yard rushing touchdown to end the game, 15 carries, 130 yards, also caught three balls for 18. He was quiet up until that point. Dalvin Cook, 32 rushes, 120 (laughs) rushing yards, six receptions, 59 yards. It's a one-man show, essentially. Him, Jefferson, and Thielen in Minnesota. Corey Davis had his best game of the year, 11 receptions, 182, and a touchdown. Devontae Adams, another fantastic game, 10 for 121, and two scores. And then Darren Waller's best game of 2020, maybe Mm -hmm. when you needed him most, 13 receptions, 200 yards, two touchdowns. He had 178 receiving yards. At the half. So, some accomplishment from the tight end position as Waller has basically cemented himself as the top tight end in fantasy, or if not number one, number two this year. He's had a great year. So, of all of those, Joe, who was the one that uh, stuck out to you?
3: Well, I got to say Waller statistically overall, again, good year, but he had been kind of quiet the last few weeks. So this was very important for him to step up and have this game. He was just 7K going into Sunday on the main slate on FanDuel. We talked at length about that. Look, this is a great matchup. This should be a smash game for Darren Waller, but he's had a couple of those recently on the schedule and they haven't come to fruition. So this was great to see. It's great to see Derek Carr bounce back because Derek Carr has had a very good season. And then it, it was just very frustrating to see him be as bad as he was. And he was about as awful as a starting starting quarterback could be in fantasy last week against the Falcons. Very important for him to bounce back. Yes, it was the Jets, but still, this is the same Jets that they lost to last season in New York. So I think it's very important that he kind of got the Raiders back on track, and this was certainly a huge win for them. Huge win late, to Great catch by Henry Ruggs in this game. I know we'll break that down a little later. But Baker Mayfield, look, what what more is there to say? I mean, the guy's starting to look more confident in the offense. That's great. They're taking away a lot of the mistake-prone past of Baker Mayfield by, you know, getting him out and moving around a little bit, getting that play action going, making sure he's just not sitting there in the pocket, trying to be reckless at the football and make plays that he could usually make in college. And yes, those are the two big running back performances. You had Jones, you had cook, but kind of lost in that same game with cook. Another quietly good game from James Robinson finishing as a top five running back this week. I mean, the dude just keeps motoring along and motoring along. Doesn't matter who's a quarterback. He's played with three different quarterbacks this year. He's still going to grade out as an RB1. That's tremendous. And look, the the Packers went and took care of business. Um, Jones had that huge run, physical run. Uh, you can see the secondary was kind of beat up for the Eagles. I mean, Devontae Adams throwing stiff arms, knocking guys down there, you know, catching the ball at the five, and then just kind of willing himself in the end zone. And then that last big play there from Jones at 70-plus yard run, very physical out there in space. Nobody could bring him down. And that was kind of the knife in the heart of that game. And uh, another tough loss for the Eagles. And I don't think their schedule gets any better next week. It is it is tough, man. The, the Eagles are looking around. And I saw Jalen Hurst play a little bit yesterday. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are, but it kind of feels like maybe it's time to say, well, we got nothing to lose, literally, except more games. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense to me to make the switch to Hertz and at least see what you had. And he's good in the touchdown pass, I would say that much.
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, this is tough for me because, look, I've I've wanted Hurts to play and, and wanted to see him play. But realistically speaking, with transparency, I think that Carson Wentz, when he was playing at the highest level probably ends up better than what Jalen hurts is going to be. I think that the reason why they should make the change, I don't, I don't think that Wentz is playing with any confidence at all anymore. It doesn't look like he wants to throw. It doesn't, he, I mean, his throws are bad and and it's, I would never throw the yips on a quarterback. But this feels like Bortles, man. Like when Bortles came out Mm -hmm. and he was good and he was really good for Jacksonville. And and people forget that Blake Bortles was a really good quarterback for a couple of years there. And then it just fell apart and everything was running up the middle and and interceptions. And, man, I hate to say that that's going to happen to Carson Wentz. But I think that what you said is probably accurate. They don't have anything to lose. They're not winning the division. They spent a high draft pick on on Mm Hurts. You may Second as round. well in the last four games build confidence with the other guy, <laughs> with Hertz, because no matter what they've done for Wentz, it hasn't worked. And, and I understand I, that uh, he doesn't yeah. have the, the options there. And, and yeah, I mean they didn't get a receiver. That's part of it, no doubt. There, there are deficiencies there too. Even though Rigor, I, I still think ends up being a good player in the NFL. Uh, but I, I would, I would definitely give him a sh- just like what Miami is doing, and even Miami's being competitive too. It played well yesterday, so. Mm-hmm. I think it is time. I don't know that the success is going to be there. And it may be by default that Hertz is better next year just because they'll upgrade the line. They see the deficiencies. They'll get another wide receiver. Those things will happen. And that really can't all be pinned on Wentz. But it is kind of sad to see that this this could be coming to an end. And I, I saw some really poor throws from Wentz yesterday, throwing over the head of guys, just like out of bounds. Like, I, I just, that that for me is where it is. Talent-wise, Wentz may yeah. be more talented than Hurts, confidence wise. I think he has none, Joe. I think that's that's
3: yeah, and it it's and it's it's not quite the yips. I, I I kind of agree with you. It's I feel like he has got this almost like a nervous energy or or feeling like I guess because he's been hit so much and sacked so much this ben, year, and he has that if he feels like every play he's anticipating it. So he's rushing plays. He doesn't let plays develop because he doesn't think he has the time to he's making bad decisions and then he's compounding whenever he does get hit or whenever there's a moment. I've seen it all year with him where he will then try to make a play and it will go wrong or try to do too much. And instead of taking a sack, instead of throwing a ball away, instead of just rolling out and running out to the sideline, he compounds the problem by trying to do too much. And in some way, it's admirable because you want your quarterback to say, I can, I can fight my way out of this and I'm going to work my way out. of this. But what's happening in actuality is it's really hurting the team. It's, it's really setting them back. And defensively at times this year, this team has played very well. They refuse to commit to running the football. I don't know why I can only imagine that would help the cause here a little bit. It's kind of bizarre to me. I don't get it. Uh, but you know, when you bring in, hurts to this game it's basically too little too late I thought and, and 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 I understand and I and and believe me I get it and better than most about the cap room and what would happen and you can't really cut Carson Wentz that's not really an actuality that's gonna be very difficult to do you have to find a trade partner and right. I have to think Craig this year that there's some team out there that looks at Carson Wentz looks at what he had done in previous years and thinks we can turn this guy around and you know what maybe we don't have the kind of draft pick to get one of these top quarterbacks in the draft. And maybe we don't like the guys in the second or third round grade, but maybe just maybe some team will take a shot on him and be able to do that. And if and if Philadelphia can get out from under that contract, I think that it's probably at this point maybe beneficial for everybody. Maybe it just didn't work out. And it's sad because a couple, couple of years ago before that injury, he was one of the hottest quarterbacks in the NFL. We was we were yeah. all talking about him and Deshaun Watson leading that charge. This was pre-Lamar, pre-Mahomes. It was all about those two guys. And Deshaun Watson looks like the goods and Carson Wentz looks like the goods that you take out, you know, every Sunday <laughs> and then on Monday get picked up and that's not good. And it's not all his fault, but he is making it worse. And I think at this point in time, it's probably best if the Eagles move on and, and he move on too. And I think that's not a bad thing. It's just sometimes this is the business of sports and maybe he can find something else. I mean, maybe he does get a fresh start with a better o line and more weapons and he becomes old Carson Wentz again. It's possible, but I think his time with Philadelphia is coming to an end.
0: Yeah, and look, as you mentioned, they're they're going to be teams that are that are going to need to take a shot. That are going to uh, look. The Bears are going to be right around five hundred. Yep. They're going to want a quarterback. Even the team, I got to tell you, even the team that they played against, and the Lions, eventually, I mean, even though Stafford threw for four hundred, some mm-hmm. point his career is going to end. At some point, Matt Ryan's career is going to end, and Wentz is younger than all of those guys. So, how about uh, Denver? Look. I mean, there's a place with a great complement of weapons.
3: They've got two running backs. Yeah, They've got a decent O line. Sure. There's another spot. Sure.
0: Look, it, it could be a number of spots. There's no doubt that uh, that Carson is not a bottom five quarterback in the NFL. It's just yeah. things didn't work out for him and, and probably need to go somewhere else. And, and I think he could succeed again. I would not give up on him for sure. Okay, coming up next, the most points scored in the NFL on Sunday came courtesy of the Cleveland Browns and Tennessee Titans. That combo will go through the fantasy standouts next here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away.
1: Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Boy, did the Cleveland Browns make a lot of folks happy in fantasy, and uh, certainly with the first half that they had against the Tennessee Titans. Kind of makes you wonder what in the world is going on with Tennessee. Winning big, losing big, winning big. Very unpredictable team for sure in 2020. And uh, when we get to the NFL playoffs, I believe the Titans will be there. And they're either going to blow a team out in the first round or get blown out probably in the first round. I don't think that there's going to be a close game in that one. But uh, let's take a look at Cleveland, Tennessee before we get into that from yesterday. As Baker Mayfield, we just mentioned, threw for 334 passing yards, four touchdowns, all the damage in the first half. Nick Chubb, 18 for 80, and also had a touchdown there, one reception for 26-yard. Rashard Higgins had one of his better games. We haven't seen him in a while. Thought he'd be more of a factor. He finally was yesterday. Six receptions, 95 yards, and a touchdown. Jarvis Landry continues to produce. Eight receptions, 62 yards, and a score for him. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones ended up scoring on a bomb. Two receptions, mm-hmm. 92 yards, and a touchdown, which essentially helped nobody in fantasy on Sunday. <laughs> now, speaking of helping nobody... You go into week 13 of the NFL season and your fantasy season, and you just fully assume, okay, I'll get my 100 yards and a touchdown from Derrick Henry, and I'll go to the playoffs. Wow, this may have uh-huh. really knocked a lot of people out yesterday, especially if you lose points for fumbles, too. This was his worst game of the season. Take a look at this. Henry, only 60 rushing yards, one reception for nine yards. They were down big, but still didn't even put him in the game or throw to him. They was they were using McNichols a lot, too. Very odd. Uh-huh. Game plan with Tennessee for sure. As Tannehill threw for two, uh, three hundred eighty nine, three touchdowns, one interception. Corey Davis was Tannehill's main target. He was scoring over and over again, getting targeted over and over again. Eleven receptions, one eighty two, and a score. AJ Brown had four receptions for eighty seven yards. He left the game. He came back in, and Anthony Ferster's numbers don't do him justice. This guy was targeted tons near the end zone and the red zone too. So if johnny Smith doesn't play next week, Ferster is going to be a factor. Five receptions. And 51 yards. So we've spent some time talking about Cleveland, Joe. Mm-hmm. Tennessee is definitely a Jekyll and Hyde team, man. There's just no mm-hmm. other way around it. They um are not, they they go they they're at home against Indianapolis, they look terrible. They go to Indianapolis, they look great. They come mm-hmm. back home against the Browns, they look terrible. So I don't know. <laughs> like no. I, I mean, I guess they could go just one way or the other. I suppose their defense isn't good, but their offense is much better than most people thought. So that's gonna keep them in games. But they're going to be a scary team in week one of the NFL playoffs because they're going to be either three-point favorites or three-point underdogs. And I don't think that spread is going to factor in. It's going to go one way or the other very quickly. Uh, I
3: agree. I mean, this is who the Titans have been all year. And and the trend was getting better the last two games. And then then Sunday happened. And, I mean, look, you might look at the score and say, oh, it was close. No, it wasn't. The Browns dominated this game. This game was over in the first half. And then it got interesting towards the end of some garbage time touchdowns. And then, you know, at the very end there, they got into it and even, you know, had a little onside kick that failed at the very end where they could still technically still maybe pull the rabbit out of a hat. But that's been their MO all year. They just, you know, they, they, they let teams get in and get up on them. And then they try to come back. This is what happened in the Pittsburgh game. A- and they, you know unfortunately took the l there too i mean when when uh, tennessee is at its best they, they get up early and they're able to run the football with derrick henry and they kind of got away from that i don't know if they just you know got gunshot because of the fumble i know aj brown was banged up in this game and probably not 100 but corey davis more than made up for that it's a it's a very peculiar situation here mike Vrabel i think is a really good football coach and i think he's done a great job with this team the last few years but they are an enigma i mean week to week they can come out there and beat one of the best teams in the nfl And then the next week they could play a team that you think is good and just look terrible against them. It's just very bizarre. And you're right. I think it makes them almost impossible to peg going into the playoffs. And I do think they still will be a playoff team where the record is right now. It certainly seems like it's going to be the fact. But, I mean, this was just a – maybe they just weren't really taking the Cleveland Browns as seriously as they should. And I think after this week, everybody's going to take the Cleveland Browns more seriously. And they they should. And look, I didn't want to – I was the guy saying, don't chase Jarvis Landry. You know, that last week I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm sold on that. Now it's two weeks. Now we're in a spot where you're playing FanDuel. You're looking around, you look at the matchups. You say, okay, Jarvis Landry's a pretty good return on the investment. He's getting those targets. And the Peoples-Jones thing didn't help anybody in fantasy except Baker Mayfield owners. It helped them. And they ran some misdirection here, too. They had some clever plays. Landry was throwing another pass to Baker Mayfield. I mean, they continue to do those kind of weird, quirky things. And Stefanski's done a good job of integrating that kind of trick play, gimmick stuff into the offense. But when you boil it down, it's run the football with Nick Chubb. It's run the play action with Baker Mayfield off the Nick Chubb run, and then it's playing defense. And if you can keep going those three things, Cleveland's going to be a tough out come January.
0: Yeah, if if they if they have a lead and can run it, it's just bizarre that they can run so well, but yet teams still come back sometimes. But they end up winning. They win all these games. They won against Jacksonville. They won against mm-hmm. Dallas. They won against Tennessee. Yes. So at some point, it's not luck. It's skill, I guess, with Cleveland. But great start for them for sure. Okay, Raiders and Jets. This was the one that everyone's talking about today. Their car, uh, 381, four touchdowns. We already discussed him, a rushing touchdown as well. Top fantasy quarterback from yesterday. Devontae Booker, 16 carries, 50 yards with no Jacobs. Henry Ruggs had the game-winning score. Three receptions, 84 yards, and a touchdown also had a fumble. Darren Waller, 13 receptions, 200 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Wow, what a great game for him. And uh, Raiders yeah. scored a very late touchdown on a bomb that beat the Jets and essentially got the defensive coordinator fired. So more on that in just a second. Let's look at the Jets. Sam Darnold, 14 of 23, 183 passing yards, three touchdowns passing, and a rushing touchdown for Sam. So good job by him. Want to talk about waivers and fantasy this week? Here's the number one guy, Ty Johnson, 22 carries, 104 yards. Two receptions, 13 yards and a touchdown. Jamison Crowder, five for 47, two touchdowns. And Denzel Mims, who's had an underwhelming season, two receptions, 40 yards. So in terms of fantasy, really not much of a factor. In reality, the Jets lose again, Joe. As if, if you watch football or you're watching the show, you know what happened. We don't need to regurgitate this for five minutes. But basically, the Jets blitz the quarterback at the end of a game. When in almost every situation like that, what you do is you play back just to make sure the team doesn't score a touchdown. We've seen this Mm -hmm. in the NFL a billion times. Sometimes it even works on on that last second Hail Mary. We see Kyler Murray do it. We see Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers do it. But the reason why this happened and the reason why this is being talked about so much is because it's the Jets. (laughs) And they're they're trying to go 0-16. or They're they're not trying to, but they're probably going to go 0-16. And that's why if this is game three of the season, it doesn't get nearly the attention. But it's the Jets. It's Gase. It's Greg Williams. And so everyone's just having a field day with the fun. And so I suppose, Joe, you can take it from here.
3: Well, I got a great stat for you on this. Ready? I I saw this. And uh, no team in the NFL this year with less than 30 seconds to play has brought eight defenders on a blitz this year in the NFL. Zero. None. And I don't think any other team's going to do it the rest of the year after Greg Williams got fired and they lost this game. So if that doesn't tell you this is just not something you do. It's just not something you do, and, and they uh they interviewed. I remember in the press conference yesterday too. They went and they discussed this with the uh the jet safety in the post game, and they said, "Did you think about you know checking out of that when you got that call?" And you know he was trying to be kind of politically correct and what he was saying about it. But he, well, you know I was you know it, it all happened very fast, and I you know I don't like to second guess Greg and all the you know it, it was just a lot. And apparently Adam Gase heard this and was livid on the sidelines when he heard this call and. I guess here's my question. If you're the head coach, don't you have some sort of input going on in the last play of the game? And you say, Hey, make sure whatever we're doing, we don't do something stupid, or make sure we do not, you know, bring eight defenders right now. If you see that play, you call a timeout, you try to do something. I don't remember if they had any timeouts left, but still this is a, uh, this is a tough situation here. And I guess the jet fans should be kind of grateful to Greg Williams. He solidified uh, another loss for you. Anything. Maybe he deserves a raise, Craig, not a firing.
0: Yeah, I, I look, it, it's the it's the story that keeps on giving. I don't know where everyone's going to go with their stories in New York next year when the Jets are actually coached capably and have a pretty good team because they're going to get good real quick if they get Trevor Lawrence. One of the reasons why they may get him is because Jacksonville, wow, they really put up another fight two weeks in a row but came up just short against the Minnesota Vikings. Let's take a look at the Viking standouts from Sunday. Kirk Cousins, 28 of 43, 305 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception, Played fairly well in this one, although the first half was not uh, that great. Dalvin Cook's just running his legs into the ground. This poor guy, 32 more carries, 120 (laughs) rushing yards, six receptions, 59 yards. Another great game for Justin Jefferson. Nine receptions, 121 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Essentially saved the game. Kirk Cousins on his back foot just throwing up a bomb 50 yards in the air, and somehow Jefferson was there. Uh, That was another – why doesn't anybody talk about that? Jacksonville messing that one up uh, the other day. Mm -hmm. It was the only shot they had. Adam Thielen, 8 for 75, and a touchdown, as far as Minnesota is concerned. Now, over on the Jacksonville side, Mike Lennon took a little bit of a step back, but still good enough to keep the Jaguars in the game. 28 of 42, 280 passing yards, one touchdown, two picks. James Robinson, 18 for 78 on the ground, six receptions, 30 receiving yards and a touchdown. He was good again. LaVisca Chennault, one of his better games as a pro, had only 38 receiving yards and three receptions, but did score and 30 rushing yards. And then the leading receiver for Jacksonville, Colin Johnson, four receptions, 66 yards. Again, a name that I like for 2021. I want to keep more of an eye on him. But Vikings stay alive by the skin of their you-know-what. The Jaguars (laughs) played them right down to the end. I, I thought the Jaguars played a much better game than Minnesota did. But here the Vikings are on the doorstep of potentially making the playoffs. I don't think they're a good team at all, and I would love to fade the bleep out of them when they get to the playoffs, for sure. Um, I I mean, they just, how how you have to go wire to wire in a must-win situation against Jacksonville, Remember, this is different than Seattle. Seattle, we know, is going to the playoffs. Hey, Giants they did this against
3: Carolina before. last week. It was wire to wire, and they, they you know, barely hung on. Yeah, yeah they, they, they're, they're just not good, good but listen, they're, they're, they're not but If they just beat the Cowboys, they'd be right in the thick of all of this. I mean, they, they should have beat the Cowboys. I know they're in it regardless, but this is what I kept saying weeks ago when you made fun of me about it. The schedule really lends itself to Minnesota, even though not being very good. They can just handle their business. Look, this is three straight weeks for Kirk Cousins with 300 yards passing, four straight weeks for Kirk Cousins with... Over 290 yards passing in a game and a thousand yards already on the season for Justin Jefferson. Hey, well done. Look at that rookie wide receiver that a lot of people were not talking about, but they should have been. And this guy's been fantastic, even with Thielen there, without Thielen there. I think at this point, you feel really good about uh, Justin Jefferson shares in dynasty leagues because this kid looks fantastic in this
2: offense. Yeah, he does. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: and welcome back to fantasy sports today indianapolis colts and houston texans basically going wire to wire almost given away by both teams in this one honestly the colts late in the game on a fourth and one up four points with three minutes to go Mm
1: -hmm. go for it
0: and i don't get it all they needed to do was kick a field goal and worst case tie but they decided not to odd call for sure And then Mm -hmm. the Houston Texans, down on the five-yard line with 30 seconds to go, fumble away a snap and fumble away a game. So I would say neither team really deserved to win, but I would also say the Colts played a little bit better than Houston did. Houston essentially is a one-man show on that team. There's no doubt. All right, let's look at the Colts here. (laughs) It's Phillip Rivers, 27 of 35, 285 passing yards, two touchdowns. He did not throw an interception. When he does not, the Colts usually win. Jonathan Taylor had one of his best rushing days as he ended up rushing for some nice yards, also 44 receiving yards and a touchdown there. Uh, You know, T.Y. Hilton is very interesting. All of a sudden, he's healthy in the last couple of weeks. He looks startable Mm -hmm. again in fantasy. If he's on a waiver wire of any kind at this point, needs to be picked up. I wish I would have grabbed him a couple weeks ago. He could be a factor the next couple of weeks in the playoffs. And then Michael Pittman was quiet for the most part. Five receptions, 46 yards. Now, on the side of Houston, it was another very good day for Deshaun Watson, although he did fumble and did throw an interception late in this one. So Houston could have won, but he's a one-man show out there. Colts could not tackle him. 26 of 38, 341 passing yards, 38 rushing yards. He rushed for a touchdown. That was his lone score of the day. David Johnson, 10 for 44. He's just not much of a factor there anymore. He did score. Kiki Kuti, eight receptions, one forty-one. That'll be probably the top wide receiver picked up this week. And then Chad Hansen, while Brandon Cooks was on the sidelines, ended up catching three balls, five on the day, hundred one yards for him. Cooks, they thought perhaps had a concussion. He came back and played fairly well. Six receptions, sixty-five yards. And I know that the, that Houston doesn't particularly play well without Will Fuller for whatever reason. I, I suppose he's the the long the long threat there. But Kuti, I mm-hmm. thought played pretty well, Joe. And, and some people will add him. But Hilton's story is really the one for me because a few weeks ago, there was no reason to own him in fantasy. Remember, the Colts did not throw a touchdown to any wide receiver through the first nine weeks of the NFL season. Oh, yeah. So uh, Hilton was not a factor. And if you ended up grabbing him because somebody cut him, that that may end up helping you in the fantasy playoffs because he looks fantastic now.
3: Yeah. The last two weeks, what a revelation. T.Y. Hilton. Who would have thought? I mean, it's kind of crazy. The guy's done basically nothing all year. And maybe it is health. Maybe this is the healthiest he's been and maybe that's why we're seeing T.Y. Hilton all of a sudden now last two weeks look good and some of the matchups were pretty good for him as well in terms of cornerback play. So that's a plus as well. So you could take that for whatever you will. But look, if T.Y. Hilton is healthy, he's going to give you this kind of productivity on any kind of regular basis the rest of the season. He's going to be a game changer. I just I find it hard to believe that a whole lot of teams are going to be playing in week 14. That have ty hilton unless they did pick him up off the waiver wire he was a throw in in a trade because he was a guy that i wouldn't say huge draft capital but enough <laughs> enough draft capital where you know he's been basically ultimately a failure most of the year in terms of fantasy production last two games all of a sudden been good and it's been at the expense of Pittman, which is kind of crappy because Pittman's kind of disappeared the last couple of weeks because of ty hilton and Pittman had been the guy the last few weeks kind of leading that charge also in this game the coast. They revealed that uh, there's an injury, a foot injury to Philip Rivers, is going to have to be uh, having surgery on after the year. So we'll keep an eye on that too. So he's playing through that some sort of plantar fascia sort of injury, which is never a good injury. Let me tell you, that's a tough one right there. And then on the flip side, over there talking about Houston, you're right. Deshaun Watson is a one man show, and he has been for quite some time. And it's kind of staggering how good he's been. Kiki QT. Look, was a guy we talked about last week on the waiver wire to pick him up. I think he was, what, like, you know, 9% owned when rostered in leagues. I mean, that's just crazy at this point. Like, you might as well just pick him up last week and just at least put him on the bench and see what happens. Now you're going to have to pay three times as much if you have any fab left. And if waivers are still running, 141 for eight catches, I don't think necessarily that's a line you can count on from Kiki QT. But it's at least good to see that he got the drops under control, too, because that was the one thing that's really plagued him was dropping the football in big spots. So this is his basically last shot here, I think. So if he has a good finish, he either sticks with the Texans or he finds a job somewhere else next year. But I mean, some guys don't get a third shot. This is his third opportunity here. And he made the most of it, at least in this first week. But uh, what a frustrating line, too. Is that not the quintessential David Johnson line when you look at it, right? 10 carries for 44 yards and a touchdown. It's just got like, oh, that is so David Johnson 2020. That is the David Johnson line. He somehow has a touchdown. It kind of saves a little bit of value, but he doesn't look good and and some weird miscommunication there at the end there for the Houston Texans and literally gave this game away, which I know is frustrating because they've played significantly better since moving on from Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson. I mean, man, that dude just going to work every week. That guy's been so good, not just in fantasy, but in reality too. I mean, at least they know they got their quarterback. The question is, can they surround him with enough next year? And Mm -hmm. I don't know if they can, Greg, no draft picks, Greg, terrible cap situation. I don't know what's going on with the Houston Texans. I don't know if they know. Plus they got to find a new head coach and a new GM. So, it's a lot of questions there for the Texans next year, but I don't know if they have any answers right now.
0: Yeah, they they probably have one of the best offensive players in the NFL, one of the best defensive players in the NFL <laughs> and then and then basically nothing else. It's it's a shame. And yeah, David Johnson's just I suppose he'll get a contract with someone next year, but (laughs) the the numbers are not telling the story with him this year. Okay, Miami-Cincinnati. This game was very close at the half, and then the Dolphins pulled away in the second half as Tua threw for 296 yards. He got the start and threw a touchdown pass. No interceptions again, always very careful. Miles Gaskin off the COVID list, 21 carries, 90 rushing yards, two receptions, 51 yards. Good to see him back in action. Mike Gusecki has been a favorite target of Tua, in the starts that he has had he caught nine more balls for 88 receiving yards at a touchdown and then unfortunately for Devontae parker owners well when fitz is in there parker's great and When <laughs> he's not he's not and that's been the story there unfortunately for him now on the side of cincinnati they were kind of shuffling between two quarterbacks brandon allen and finley who knows which way they'll even go this week but they were competitive for a while Until, uh, honestly, until they got in the big fight and a couple of players mm -hmm. were thrown out of the game, including Tyler Boyd. It sort of ended the Bengals once that happened. They were in it until that point. Everyone ran on the field. Flores, the coach of the Dolphins, ran across the other side of the field. (laughs) It was kind of wild. Brandon Allen, 11 of 19, 153 passing yards, one touchdown, one pick. Bernard was a big bust yesterday. 12 carries, Mm -hmm. just 30 yards and two receptions. Ouch. Tyler Boyd had the one long score. T. Higgins, 10 points. And Drew Sample, if for some miracle you started Drew Sample, you got your 11 fantasy points from a tight end. I don't, I don't think most people use him at all. So uh, Dolphins, not exciting, Joe, when they have two at quarterback, but just kind of getting the job done. Yeah. And this week is going to be the ultimate test because, look, two has run through some of these bad teams for sure and played against some of these bad teams for sure, but the Chiefs are coming to town. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing the Chiefs take on the Dolphins and seeing what they have to show. This is no indictment on Cincinnati, but I got to tell you, if Cincinnati had Burrow there, I think they could have won the football game. Uh, But, you know, clearly once they got in that big argument and that scuffle, it really fired up the Dolphins. Their defense started playing much better. And it was a straight up dirty play. I mean, Mike Thomas just came in and just
3: nailed Jakeem Grant yeah. as the ball was coming. I mean, you're just kind of looking at yourself, going, "Am I missing something here?" <laughs> when you're watching the replay of it, did he did he not signal for the fair Like, what was going on in Mike Thomas's head where he just seemed like he was running down the field and just was going to make a beeline for Jakeem Grant and just hit him before the football got there? And he did. Weird. And it was it was so bizarre. I don't know if it was like a personal thing between him and Grant or yeah, something I earlier in the game that's my only guess is some words were said or somebody decided you know what i'm just gonna shoot my shot here and go hit this guy and he did and it did kind of i think stir up the dolphins a little bit kind of wake them up and in a weird way i think it kind of helped them it kind of like said okay wait we we gotta get this game right i feel like in a weird way mike thomas kind of helped revive the dolphins because they were a little lackluster in this game and like you said they kind of turned it on late there defense did a good job too they they were able to stop Gio Bernard, stop the run make the quarterback speech and that was not going to be a, a good game plan necessarily for the cincinnati Bengals side of having the quarterback speech in this one but um the, the fascinating thing going forward here is you got tua and you've got a schedule that is not a good combination right now and and it's not once again i'm not knocking Tua. i'm a big fan I just don't think he's ready for the gauntlet that he's going to have to run here in these next few weeks. And we'll see what happens next week with Kansas city. And then not too long after that, he's going to have to face Las Vegas. He's going to have to face the Patriots and don't look now, but the Patriots won a bunch of games recently. And all of a sudden these two teams could meet and have basically the same record. And that could basically be a playoff game between these two teams. And I just don't know if you're better off with Tua or Fitzpatrick, certainly offensively, the numbers bear out Fitzpatrick. But I understand from an organizational standpoint, hey, this is our quarterback of the future. The future is now. I get it. I don't know, Craig. This is a dicey situation. And I'm fascinated to see what happens next week against Kansas City. Because if they get their doors blown off, does the conversation turn once again to say, is it ready? Is he ready? Can we do this? Can we make this work? Should we go back to Fitz? And it's tough. It's going to be a tough call. No doubt about it.
0: Yeah, and that's that's why they, they get paid the big bucks to make those calls and we just play fantasy. <laughs> New Orleans right. and Atlanta. Boy, this game was a lot closer than than, uh, than it looked like it was going to be in the first half, but New, but New Orleans ends up pulling out the late win. Taysom Hill had his best fantasy game of the season, 22 of 37, 232 passing yards, 83 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. Honestly, you should circle that because if that's who he is in 2021, give me this guy as my QB1 mm-hmm. next year for sure. Alvin Kamara, 15 for 83, uh, also was back in the action as far as scoring a touchdown. So that ended up working out for him. Michael Thomas was also viable. Nine receptions, 105 yards. Traquan Smith, never know when he's going to do anything, honestly. Three receptions, 42 receiving yards, and a touchdown as the Saints end up pulling it out. Now for Atlanta, a little bit of a disappointing day all around because, again, there's only one man that matters on the Atlanta Falcons, and that's Young Oku. He's the only guy that they got that they can really <laughs> count on each and every week. This guy, they just set him up for those field goals, and he kicks how many yesterday? Four. I don't know a lot. Uh, it's crazy. Matt Ryan, nineteen of thirty nine. He was not good. Two hundred seventy three passing yards and a touchdown. He wasn't comfortable all day. Ito Smith. I guess, is the primary guy now. Gurley just he just can't really move all that much. Uh, eight, eight carries, 36 yards. Calvin Ridley, five for 108. Solid game for him. Solid game for Julio Jones. Also good game for Russell Gage, who ended up scoring a touchdown. But Joe, if this is it for Taysom Hill, if this is it mm-hmm. and he doesn't play again the rest of the year, I think we got a pretty good sample of this guy and in the game that they needed to win playing against mm-hmm. Atlanta. 20, 25 fantasy point type day. I liked what I saw. And I know that we have not seen this before. So it's going to be a small sample with him only getting these handful of starts. But I'm very curious where he'll go in fantasy drafts if Drew Brees decides to retire next year. And if this is the last game we see him.
3: I think you'd be a low-end QB1 just off the top of my head. I mean, probably in that 11-12 conversation. And that's that's really because quarterback is so good right now because you have such a top-heavy, incredible right. group of superstars at the position. But I think he's right in that 10-11-12 conversation just at first glance. And I'll tell you what, I-, I was impressed too. I was impressed with him in the pocket. He looked more comfortable in the pocket. And And, you know, I went on a big rant on Sunday morning on the show about – let's not overreact too much from last week because they knew that Denver was not going to be able to play in that literally play in that football game and compete. So they just weren't going to push the envelope at all. So they were going to just be really vanilla, hand the ball off to Latavius Murray. Let's get everybody healthy and go next week. And look, this was a a good showing and a better version of what he was against the Falcons just a few weeks ago. And I think looking at Kamara being useful again, looking at Michael Thomas, this is basically what I was saying was like, Hey, it's time to buy back in here a little bit. the 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 price for uh, Michael Thomas was 7200 7500 on FanDuel for Alvin Kamara I tell it's like it's a must start what are you crazy you gotta put this guy in here Atlanta struggles against running backs who catch the ball in the backfield I know Taysom Hill hasn't thrown a lot of touchdowns yet or any touchdowns for that matter let's give this guy a little time and let's not be as you like to say prisoners of the moment and judge too much of what was going on in that game last week as a trend with them against Denver it's just not a good look But yesterday, you saw him in the pocket. You saw him making good reads. You saw him finding open guys. I'll tell you what, you give him a full offseason, I think Sean Payton might be right. He might have the right quarterback after all.
0: Yeah, all all of this fun that we poked at Sean Payton and got mad at him for using uh, Taysom Hill. I got to say, I never did it, but if I did, I would apologize. I think that he can play in the NFL, and I think he can start. and I think he made the right choice there. We'll get the Lions and Bears next. Don't go away
2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
0: well it happened again in the nfl a coach was fired the team ends up covering the spread three for three in 2020 and over 60% historically. It's one of the gift that keeps on giving and it almost wasn't to be as the lions had to mount a mm-hmm. comeback and the bears tried to mount the comeback, but they were kind of clueless at the end of the game, which shouldn't come as a surprise <laughs> to anyone. Here are the lions numbers in fantasy Matthew Stafford with over 400 passing yards and three touchdowns, one pick Adrian Peterson ran for two touchdowns yesterday, turning back the clock, 57 rushing yards. Marvin Jones, as expected, was the main target. Six for 116 in a score. TJ Hawkinson, 15 fantasy points for him. And Quintes Cephas ended up scoring a touchdown. Two for 63 for him. A player to watch for sure in 2021. On the side of the Bears, Mitch Trubisky was very solid. It was their defense, honestly, that let them down in on this one. 26 to 34, 267 in a touchdown. David Montgomery was targeted, was ran, basically was a one-man show for them yesterday, Mm -hmm. 72 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Allen Robinson, 6 for 75, ran out of bounds, one yard short, made a big mistake. That cost them the game. Anthony Miller, 5 for 56. Cole Komet, maybe that's a name for next year. It'll be a new coaching staff and see if they figure that out. Five receptions, 37 yards. Uh, So, yeah, the Bears, are, 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 I think, are going to probably have to (laughs) – also do what the lions did honestly joe but uh good job mm-hmm. by the lions and, and again i don't yeah. know why it is like this but as soon as the coach gets fired it's almost like the players have this revolt like hey we're gonna show everybody out there that it was it was him and it wasn't us and at least for one day the lions proved their point uh,
3: they, they sure did i mean trubisky you know they got to him at the end there and got the football away from him and look bad job by him at that point in that juncture in the game you got to protect the football but Oh, another frustrating loss for the Bears. And I said last week, I said, I don't know if they're going to see 500 again. And this was a game that was probably winnable for them. But good news, two weeks in a row, at least David Montgomery was good. That's positive. And you mentioned Cole Komet too. You know, I saw a little of him last year at Notre Dame, and I was very impressed. I thought this guy was just an absolute monster on the field. And young tight ends are usually really difficult to get in rookie seasons to play well. But I do think next year, this is a guy to keep an eye on. So keep this guy in the back of your mind for maybe next year's sleeper tight end.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and on the side of the Lions, uh, Cephas is the name also to keep in mind. They ended up letting go of a receiver late in the week and ended up giving Cephas some looks. I believe he got four targets, 63 yards. Not a bad day for him. Okay, our headlines are next, and then we'll take a look at the late games in the NFL. Don't go away.